For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to my podcast. In today's uh, next episode of Speaking Recovery, we're talking with uh, a man from Recovery Centers of America. His name is Rob Strauber, and he is an Associate Director of Intervention Services. Rob, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, Rob, I've been talking to some of your colleagues, and we've been, for the last couple of months, trying to break down this crisis of addiction and overdose deaths that has gripped not only uh, New Jersey, but really the entire country. And I know uh, the work that you guys are doing at Recovery Centers of America really run the gamut from, from intervention to uh, help with follow-up and sober living and all the and treatment and detox and everything. Your focus is intervention. So you're at the start of the crisis. So let, let's jump right back into it. Just explain to me what intervention services means from an RCA perspective. Sure. Yeah, it's actually um, really unique in the fact that Recovery Centers of America offers intervention services as most treatment centers um, do not. And so it really is an opportunity for families to be able to help their loved ones access help if they're not willing to go um, through using the experience and the expertise of the, of the interventionist to help that family system change the way that they are working with their loved one and their active addiction. So uh, I like to say that interventions are part of Recovery Centers of America's uh, continuum of care, which as you said, really runs the gamut uh, from intervention on through inpatient treatment outpatient treatments, helping individuals access meaningful recovery. So what point do you get involved? I mean, who, who typically makes the call for you to intervene? So most of the time, somebody's calling into our mission center, which is 1-888-RECOVERY. Um, their loved ones may not be willing to go, or maybe they are at the time that they originally call, but maybe they back out from treatment. Um, so families are typically the, the first caller could certainly be friends or colleagues, or, um, we've worked with, with many, uh, businesses and law enforcement, but most of the time it, we're dealing with a families whose loved one is just not willing to get help. They're concerned for them and they'll call into the back office and they'll share some information. They'll say, Hey, you know, we've tried this, we've tried that. And then our, our uh, treatment advocates at the mission center then will take that family through a series of questions so we can better understand their loved one. Um, once we have all of that information, understanding the background and what's happening, then one of our um, interventionists will reach out to that family system and then help bring together a group, right? Of the most important people in that person's life, their family, their friends, 
like I said, colleagues, anybody who would be concerned for their loved one would come together on a pre-intervention where we would meet with them, talk through a plan. The goal is full family healing. So we want to make sure that we have everybody's um, observations heard, their concerns heard. We do some education. We want to make sure that family uh, and, and that team is, is educated in what substance use disorder is. How, Rob, um, let me ask you this, not to interrupt you, but how, how do you differentiate and how do you resolve conflict? So let's say it's a, a sister of a guy that is struggling, he's in his 20s, she's concerned, the parents are ignoring it, saying there's no problem, uh, the folks at work don't even really know about it. How do you deal with that and not have a situation blow up? I'm just running through as you're saying it, that you got a guy that works with uh, in a public space where he's got five or six colleagues that are close to him. Some know, others don't, or maybe they share the problem, and maybe the problem is, let's say, it's booze, and he's hiding it really well. Sister calls, all of a sudden, now you've exposed this guy to colleagues. How do you, where's the line? How do you figure that out? Well, I would talk with the sister first and try to understand the dynamics of the of the situation. Who's important in that person's life? I would ask them, you know, wh why are you calling now? I think that's really important to understand why now. Oftentimes, it's been a process to get to where they're at in their active addiction. So, Maybe there was a, a police event, or maybe there was a fall, or maybe the sister's just coming in tune with, with the fact that her brother has a problem. Um, and so I would hear that family system, understand who's who, and then invite them to the call, right? We're not going to deal with the patient quite yet, but we want to be able to bring everybody to the table. So as you're saying, maybe the family, maybe the mom, the dad, aren't willing to address the issue, but we can find the common thread, right? The love and the concern for that person and say, okay, so as, as their other um, daughter, you know, can we get them to the table so we can get everybody's viewpoints put on the table? Mm -hmm. I'd much rather know that somebody's going to put, you know, some boundaries up or some, um, obstacles in the way, we would educate them, we would ask them to say, okay, you know, from what your what your daughter's saying, do you actually see what what's happening? If it's a no, it's a no, and that's okay. Um, we're not trying to out the individual, we're just trying to bring together the, the, the most important people in their lives, so we can have a meaningful conversation about their concerns. So let me ask you this, uh, what, let's walk through that process. So let's say you've got the stakeholders. What are you talking, maybe four to 10 people? Is there a max limit? Is there a minimum number? It doesn't matter. No, usually about six to eight folks. Um, if you go up and above 10, 12, it can be a little overwhelming, but yeah. uh, I've done interventions with almost 50 people in the room. Um, and how does the intervention work? Just so, I mean, I, what I want to help people understand is if you are calling, uh, if you get the call, Rob, and people call 888-RECOVERY and they say, my brother needs help, my son or daughter needs help, um, that it's not, um, you're, you're not all of a sudden bringing the entire weight of the world on them. It's, it's more of a positive. It's not a shouting session where they're belittled and berated. Walk me through that. Person shows up, is it like a surprise party just in reverse? Well, it depends, right? So I'm I'm a I'm an invitational interventionist. Uh, I can do both, right? Um, so a surprise intervention, 
uh, I would say are, is probably the majority of what we're working with. Um, you know, the litmus test is, is if they would know, would they come? You know, so if somebody has lived life experience, it may behoove us to to invite them uh, to have that conversation. But um, no, you're right. I, I don't want to overwhelm the, the person calling in. So there is a bit of a process when they would call 1-888-RECOVERY. Um, there would be a, a, a screening of sorts. We would gather a lot of information about their loved ones from that family's perspective. So we have a better understanding of what the situation in, is and what has led them to there. Um, I or, or my staff would call that person and really just start to tease apart that family unit and say, okay, it's going to be really important that we get all of the, all of the voices, as you said, stakeholders together so that we can share all of our observations. And it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, oftentimes where maybe some folks may not have seen it or don't think it's as bad. Really, what, what, when they come to the table and start to hear other people's experiences say, yeah, you know what, I've seen that too. Or yeah, you know what, that makes sense. And I didn't really think of it along that way and just thought he was like a heavy drinker, um, but had no idea that he had just gotten a DUI or, or what have you. So, you know, oftentimes people with active substance use disorder will try to keep everyone in their own silos, right? They'll be isolated. They'll tell one person one thing, but another person another, um, because there there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of shame. There's There's tons of guilt that's associated with this. So really the whole goal is to get everybody on the same page, speaking that same language, having a mantra of love and concern, right? We're back, back blogging on that. So that we're not going to just jump on the individual, start calling them names. Um, when we got, when we have the entire team together, we'll talk through a letter writing process. This ends up becoming their script. And so that script is really important because interventions can be. Who's writing the letters, the loved ones and friends? Loved ones. Yeah. And they're writing a letter in the intervention. That's you're talking through what they would want to say to them in a letter. Yeah, or the intervention. Yep. We would do, we would really? talk through what that letter writing process is. We would have them do some homework. They would send the letters to us. We would review that the, the content making sure that we're looking for buzzwords, not necessarily what, you know, the, the message is as much as, are we going to put that person on the defensive? You know, I'm looking for meaningful conversation where most of the time when we're dealing with family systems, that's fractured and we haven't been able to get everybody to the table. So yes, in, in some regards, I want accountability and I want transparency um, so that the family can start their path to recovery. So when we start to talk through what that starts to look like, oftentimes families are like, well, just come and fix this problem. You're the interventionist, right? You know how to sweet talk my loved one into treatment. And it can't be further than the truth, right? I'm giving, and our team is giving them the tools to be able to share what they need to share so that they can be the driving force behind it. Um, it's interesting to note that it does take, it takes five professionals to equal the voice of one family member. So the quicker I can get all those stakeholders to the table and share their love and concern, then we're going to have a strength in numbers type of approach. And we're going to be able to break through all of the objections and 
Um, anything ugly that might come from that intervention, if, if the individual is upset or, or what have you, um, it becomes apparent very quickly why everybody's there. You know, they want to What's see their the, loved one get help. Is the goal to get them into a detox from the intervention or is it to put a pause and, and bring everyone together or does it depend on the person? So you're, you're going to have a pretty narrow uh, window of opportunity. And so when we do an intervention, we are almost putting all of our eggs in that basket at that time. So yes, we want that individual to go to treatment. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be detox. It depends on what, what that individual will, um, is going to qualify for. We're not assessors in the field, although we're, we're highly trained. Um, so it's not gonna be our call as to what level of care they're going to qualify for. And it's not the family's. Uh, you know, will, uh, so be it, you know, if that individual doesn't meet criteria for inpatient level of care, then we're doing an outpatient level of care um, intervention. And what would that be? Level of amount that they're consuming, uh, whether they're, uh, would it mean the, the type of substance or the amount? Yeah. So it would, it would be both, right? So both end. So if we're dealing with somebody who has alcohol use disorder and is drinking daily, um, I, I can I can tell you that that assessment's going to come back and say, hey, you're going to need a detox level of care because if you were to stop abruptly, there could be adverse health uh, issues. But if we're dealing maybe with somebody who has a cocaine use disorder um, and maybe is uh, on the weekends utilizing it, but on another level, you know, is able to maintain their their daily living. Um, they may not meet criteria for an inpatient level of care. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So what, what, what's the worst you've seen? I mean, uh, from an intervention standpoint, what, what's the worst thing that has happened or potentially could happen at that? Well, unfortunately, the worst thing that can happen is when the intervention doesn't take place and the individual doesn't make it. Okay. Mm. Um, I've been doing this work for a long time. I've, I've, I've conducted thousands of interventions at this point, and that's happened on a handful of uh, occasions. And it just, it's just, it's, it's, it's awful. Um, we try Meaning to. The person just does not show up. No, no. As in they, 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 they pass away. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. That's horrible. That's the worst thing. That's yeah. the worst, obviously. Right. That's everybody's fear. Um, you know, what we would typically see, I try to schedule our interventions where they're going to be uh, advantageous um, for us. We don't want to schedule an intervention when we know the individual has been up for days, maybe using methamphetamines and come walking in while they're in the middle of their, 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 their usage. Um, you want to play your timing, right? Uh, but I've seen, I've seen everything you can think of. I've seen people walk out the door. I've seen, you know, um, we've had to call, uh, EMS services for individuals trying to commit uh, you know, harm to themselves. Yeah. I've seen um, individuals who, who have just gone and, and gotten into to fist fights. Do you um, alert the police before you do these interventions? Let them not know you're necessarily. If, if we know the individual we're working with has had a history of violence, then yes, I will recommend that Got to it. families and just say, Hey, you know, we, we need to, we, we need to, you know, use, um, best judgment and make sure that safety is paramount here. Um, if I don't have a big team and maybe let's say a spouse has been battered or something like that, 
yes, I will go in with a, a local sheriff. Um, we'll make those phone calls and just explain, hey, you know, we, we just need some assistance. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you, if you had to judge this and just rate it, perhaps, let's say that, uh, you said you've done thousands. Would you say most end up with the person saying, okay, thank you, I'm appreciative of this, and I'm going to get help? Yep. Uh, or do most end up neutral? Where, where's the where's the line? So uh, it's tough to, uh, as a person in recovery, I've met many more thousands of people um, throughout the journey, and 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 it it tends to be pretty. As substance use disorder, you can it's pretty predictable. Um, mm. Most people know they have a problem, right? So most people are not in um, the pre-contemplative stage or they are, and they can be quickly moved into the contemplative stage um, to be able to say, yeah, you know what, I have a problem. Maybe I'll start to take a look into some of these, some of these things. The mass majority of people will go. Um, yeah. yeah, we have about a 95% success rate with individuals going to treatment within two weeks. And so uh, the, the folks that go- That's outstanding. That, that was what I was looking for. So for the folks listening that have someone in their family who has a problem, th this is a fantastic first step. And it seems that the outlier is when it goes awry and goes south. And we pre-plan for that, right? So we we talk through what a, their loved one's objections are going to be. Hmm. Uh, we get to empower the family system to be able to address those needs um, pretty quickly, right? So uh, the best interventions I do, I, I say very little. I'll come in, I'll introduce myself to the person of concern, and then I get the family to read their letters. Um, we'll deal with all the objections. We've already worked through it with what the family's going to say. If it's financials, you know, maybe the family's there to, to be able to help pick up some of the pieces, or if they're pets, or um, things that need to be looked after. So, um, that way we can whittle this down to a decision. Ultimately, what we're looking for is yes, I'll go. Um, I'm addressing your concerns. Um, I agree that there's a problem and you know I'm willing to do it. Um, that's ideal. And those that may not see that may go just because the, the pressure that they feel from their families and maybe, maybe the light bulb turns on when they get into treatment. Um, I, I oftentimes will, will explain to families that this is a process. It's been a process to get to where they're at with their loved one's active substance use disorder. It's, we're asking that loved one to get into the process of recovery, right? So that doesn't just happen overnight. We're not just struck with sobriety um, and then know all of the things that we need to be able to do to, to live a happy life, right? Joyous and free. Um, and then, so I tell people, people listen, I'd be remiss to tell you that this isn't a process in itself, you know? Mm. Um, and so we, we're always looking towards, we, towards the goal of getting everybody into their own recovery, families into theirs, their loved ones into theirs. Yep. And, and this process, once someone calls you, it's about two weeks before you can get the person in with the letter writing and right. Is that about standard or it depends? Yeah. So, so I measure our success when the intervention takes place, it can take place not usually the same day because we do need to to bring everybody together and usually you're dealing with people's schedules 
Um, but within a couple of days, sometimes it's just, it's, it's unavoidable, but it could take a week or so. So I, I let's say the intervention took place today, Bill, and the individual said, no, I'm not going to go into treatment. We're going to just, we'll start the clock with them at that point. The intervention's taken place. They said, no, we've worked through boundaries with the family. Um, the families are holding that boundary. Uh, their loved ones will be in treatment 95% of the time within two weeks from the date of the intervention. And what's a boundary? You, you, we're not going to see you until you get help. We're not going to encourage this. No, we're not going to meet you at the bar. What, what's a boundary? So they, they all could be. Um, and I don't tell families what their boundaries need to be. We'll give them a worksheet. We'll talk through what that looks like. Ultimately, when we get to that component, it has to be now a decision. How have I supported my loved one's addiction to this point versus how have I supported their recovery? And so the mantra has to shift. It's always about the love and the concern, but now we have to tell that individual, we're no longer supporting your active substance use. We are only going to support your recovery efforts. And that's going to look different for every family member. And so just to be clear, there is no requirement that you have to say certain things. In fact, I tell families, listen, if you don't mean it, don't say it, Hmm. right? We want to be able to hold true and have you respect yourself because that's what these boundaries are for. They're not meant to be punitive. We're not trying to punish your loved one for being ill, right? We're dealing with a chronic progressive primary Mm -hmm. brain disease that is treatable, right? Um, so we're not going to punish them for, for the help that they need, but we need to protect ourselves should they decide right. not to. Okay. So let me last uh, question, Rob, you, you got a personal connection to this. What was your journey like? How, how long are you into it? How did you get here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm a person in long-term recovery. Um, I stumbled into uh, recovery just my marriage wasn't working out. I had a young child. Um, and then uh, I wanted my wife and my life back. And I, I got neither one of those in the way that I, I thought was going to happen. Ended up going to treatment. And um, I was in outpatient after inpatient. And um, it kept asking me if I had gotten a sponsor, if I was going to these meetings. And they said, well, you're, you're not really progressing until you get to that point. I was getting a lot of a lot of great um, support in those um, in the outpatient. But then um, I was then able to 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 shift over into a mutual aid support group where I was able to find a mentor who started walking me through a a different way of living. And then um, once I was able to do that, he said, all right, put your hand out and go help somebody else. And Mm -hmm. so when I did that, that was the first time I think Bill in my life or uh, that I felt like, Hey, um, I'm out of myself, right. I'm actually helping somebody Mm -hmm. else. And so I was a country club manager and, uh, took a huge leap of faith. I, I, I -hmm. went into, uh, the, into this, this field and, um, started taking some, some classes. I met, uh, who was to become the co-founder of RCA, um, at, at that point, and Jay Utes, he's unfortunately passed on now, um, and and we've been able to, to 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 build this program to be able to help 
individuals wow. at no cost, right? So the only litmus test is, is that, you know, do you, are you, if you're looking for your loved one to go to RCA and they're not willing to go, we will, we will perform that intervention. So how many years ago was that? Uh, so I'm 14 years sober wow. and I've been in, yeah. Um, and I've been in the field. Uh, this is my ninth year. Wow. And was there a reconciliation with your wife? Is she, um, back in your life and your, your child? No. So, so my ex-wife is still my ex-wife. She's, she's a wonderful human being. My oldest son now is 18, so he's too cool for school. Um, but you know, he's doing great too. Um, and then I ended up getting remarried, uh, two beautiful daughters. Now they're 18 and 16. I, I, I just can't believe that they're this old now. And then we have hours at 10. Uh, so getting, uh, getting that, my life back, I, I got back in, in ways I, I could have never imagined. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's been incredible. What a, what a, what an opportunity, you know, this is really like an art, right? And so RCA said, you know, here's, here's this canvas that we want to be able to help families that, you know, otherwise are, are too high up the tree. And so if we're trying to stay true to our mission of keeping uh, recovery accessible and affordable, um, outside of, you know, bringing in a external interventionist at a price tag of anywhere between $2,000 to $10,000, um, we're able to do that. So all of my staff are working towards um, their credentials. Pennsylvania happens to be the only state that recognizes intervention as a profession. Mm. And so they actually have um, the only requirements um, for an interventionist that, that, that um, can be recognized by the trade groups. So, um, so all of our staff works towards their certified intervention professional. Uh, all of our staff in this area actually have them. The only two staff members out in the Midwest um, are the ones that are working towards it. So um, they've all been in the industry for two years plus. They've all been through their paces. They all get to go through me. Um, you know, to, to observe all of their interventions and make sure that they're on the right path. They all are um, certified in their own modalities as well. So when you get an interventionist from RCA, they have been through the, the gold standard of training. Um, this is not a three-day course, right, um, where they can come out and say, yeah, I know how to do interventions now. And, and you know, we're, we're really strong on family systems and motivational interviewing and making sure that we're really working with that family to keep that momentum moving. Wow. Inspiring. Rob, thank you. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank everybody at RCA. If you have trouble, if you are struggling, or if your loved one, your friend, someone in your group is struggling, please call right now, 888-RECOVERY, or go online to recoverycentersofamerica.com. Uh, thank you, Rob. Appreciate your time today. Be well, and uh, we'll be sharing this story with um, as many as we can. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.